Good morning. I'm going to have to yell out to those in the foyer to stop being so welcoming. It's time to get in here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We want to be a welcoming church. So t today's a, a special day for us. Um, it, it is both the day that we wore jerseys, and, and we went to Argentina. And we asked them for their football jerseys, and this is what they gave us. Uh, so um, that's, that's, our, that's our excuse this morning. Um, but uh, it's also Grandparents' Day. So if, if we've got grandparents in the room, we just want to say thank you, thank you. There's, there's many of us that have been blessed over the years by the faithful prayers and uh, perseverance of our grandparents. Uh, some of us are also continuing to pray for our grandparents that, that, uh, that they would be saved if they're not saved today. So, so today we just want to lift up grandparents and, and, uh, and appreciate them and, and the kindness they've showed us over the years. And then we're going to start this morning with a call to worship, and we're going to do that out of Nehemiah. So if you would, read with me, Nehemiah 8.10. Nehemiah 8.10. And then he said to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we can meditate on that verse, especially this afternoon when we have the picnic to eat what is rich and drink what is sweet. <laughs> Amen. And we have every reason to be joyful as God's people. Would you stand and let's sing with joy in our hearts uh, songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another.
as the Son of God is stricken, and see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen, and as the stone is rolled away, and Christ emerges from his grave, his victory marks continues till the day, every eye and heart shall see. Prayer. So spirit come, strengthen every stride, give grace for every hurdle, that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still on the way, we tell in triumphs of Oh, 
Some of you, that may mean their first step with Christ, following him in, uh, in belief and repentance and baptism. Uh, for some of you, it may be uh, getting involved in D groups or small groups or life groups uh, and, and just participating in the life of the church. Um, and for some of you, it may be preparing for evangelism and, and missions work in our local field or, or to the ends of the earth. And so uh, we're going to remind everyone here that think about what next step you need to take with Christ. Um, and, and reach out to those around you. Encourage those around you to take their next step with Christ and to help you take your next step with Christ. We've got out this door to the left, not right now, but at the end of the service, we've got a welcome desk. If, if you want to stop there, we can uh, get you plugged in if you're not already plugged in and, and help you better connect. If uh, you prefer a more digital avenue, we've got QR codes on the back of the pews. Uh, that you can do right now. You can pull out your phone, take a snapshot of that, and engage. Today, I, I want to, I'm, I'm adding some extra things here, Brother Sean. So um, our, our missionary today that we want to pray for is the Porter family in Rotten, England. Uh, but I'm going to double up if it's okay, because our friends down in Argentina, the Richards, they just posted this morning, he's going to be pro preaching a sermon this morning. So he's preaching a sermon in a language that he's just now learning, and uh, we want to pray especially for, for him uh, but also for the porters, um, they, they just, uh, I reached out to Carl this week, and he said, just pray that we would be faithful. We would be faithful, we would be obedient, and they've got three missions team coming to visit them in Rotten, England, and, um, and, and they're going to send them out into the highways and byways to call people to come to the kingdom, and uh, pray that that evangelism is effective and that we see fruits from that for the porters. So I'm going to pray for both of those today and, and for us today so that we can practice our own urgent evangelism to our neighbors, to our one, and, uh, and to the ends of the earth. So pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the victory. I thank you that you have already overcame the world, and that you let us partake in your mission to bring your people to you. Lord, I pray that you would put a burning in each of our hearts for evangelism that we would look around us and, 
and, and see those that are lost and, and just be broken hearted Lord that if they would as, as one pastor said if, if they would go to hell that they would do so by jumping over us while we're clinging to them Lord I pray that you would just put that desire in our heart to share your word your truth with the confidence that you have already overcame the world and Lord, I pray for our missionary friends, for the Porter family, Lord, for their, their mission, their, their missionary work, their church planting efforts in Rotten, for the, the teams that are going over there as they prepare, that you would pave the way for them, that you would, you would start pulling people towards you, that as, as they engage in evangelism, that they would see people saved, Lord, that they would be faithful, that they would be obedient, and that they would show your love to the world. And Lord, in addition to that, I pray, pray for the Richards this morning. And Chris, I pray that you would go before him, that you would give him the words, that you would have your people hear, that they would be encouraged, and that they would desire to evangelize. God, I pray for those that are suffering around the world, and, and especially for those in, in Morocco that, that are suffering from the earthquake. Lord, I pray that in the midst of this suffering, that your glory would be known that your people would be encouraged and saved. Lord, I pray for, for this afternoon's church picnic, that it would be a good time of fellowship and, and encouragement for us. And I pray for the grandparents that, that are among us today. And I pray for those grandparents that, that we're thinking about right now that do not know you. Lord, that you would turn their hearts towards you, that you would save them. You'd give us wisdom and words to say that we could encourage them to take their next step towards you. And Lord, I, I confess, I ask your forgiveness for the many times that I have neglected to share your gospel with those around me that I've, I've just stumbled by, and, and, and even though I felt the inclination, I've, I've argued my way out of it. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be more faithful. And we thank you for being faithful even when we are faithless for sending your son to die for us, for bringing us into relationship with you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's open up our, our worship here with a word from the Lord in Isaiah 30. So Isaiah 30, 18 and 19. Therefore the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God. All who wait patiently for him are happy. For people will live on Zion and Jerusalem. You will never weep again. He will show favor to you at the sound of your outcry. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Faint way. 
will trust in you, O Lord, in the silence I will
time of hearing from God's word, let's make it our prayer that he would speak to us, that his Holy Spirit would be in our midst, and that we would understand what we hear.
I'm building up to something big. I wanted you to wait for it. And the reveal is, no, I'm just kidding. All right, turn in your copy of God's Word to Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. If you want to follow along in the translation that I am preaching from, it is page 1090, 1090. So today we are continuing our series through the first three chapters of Revelation, and we are walking through the seven letters to the seven churches. Today we are going to be looking, as we've seen, what God's called us to do is to be faithfully enduring as Christians as the days get harder and the days get longer. And we must be reminded to be faithfully enduring. Today we're going to look at the warning of being a truthless church or a truthless Christian or the temptation that will arise to compromise as Christians. So today, let's read the writing to the, uh, the church at Pergamum and what Christ has revealed both to them and to us today. Write to the angel of the church in Pergamum. Thus says the one who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is. Yet you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death among you, where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who are hold to the teaching of Balaam, and who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites, to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. In the same way, you have you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So repent. Otherwise, I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would speak the truth in our lives as we have sung, that it would be a prayer for us that, Lord, you would speak down the truth down deep into our hearts. That even if we don't believe it, even if we don't think that it's true about us. But your spirit, I pray, would reveal it to us if it is true, that we would hear it, that we would listen, and we would obey. We pray, God, that your word today would encourage us, but correct us, but help us to look more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, there was someone who worked on an oil rig in uh, the area of the south, and they were telling me about how they were given instructions to know if things were safe. The poisonous gas that could come from the, the rig is hydrogen sulfide. 
they have put the smell that maybe you've smelt in your own gas uh, line, that, that rotten egg smell, to make sure to warn people that if they are being exposed. But in this, this hydrogen sulfide, if you stop smelling it, you're in trouble because it means you're close to death. So they warn everyone to get out before it's too late. As a matter of fact, some of these guys on the drill rigs, the safety inspectors, are like drill sergeants. And this is kind of, this is kind of not maybe verbatim, but kind of the, the voice that he would do it. When you smell rotten eggs at the well site, boys, you are smelling a poisonous, corrosive, flammable gas that is a hydrogen sulfide. This hydrogen sulfide will kill you in no time flat. If you reach a point where you don't smell the hydrogen sulfide and its noxious rotten egg aroma, it's already too late. So listen and live. You smell it, you get out of there. Because if you stop smelling it, then we'll have to go in and haul your ugly carcass out of there feet first, and that will just mess up my day. So don't be that guy. You know, sin is like the rotten egg smell of hydrogen sulfide. When you smell it, you have to get out very quickly. Because when you stop smelling it and recognize it, it's too late. Sin, if it becomes tolerable, judgment, Jesus says, comes soon. And so often, if you don't get rid of the sin, you can cross the point of no return. This is the warning that Jesus gave to the church at Pergamum. A church that was faithful, but had lost its bearing in allowing false teaching, and is in the danger of allowing sin to fester. As Jesus addressed the church at Pergamum, the believers there seem to be flirting with evil. They're not openly embracing immorality and idolatry, but they're not closing the door in it either. They are slowly compromising to their culture. The third of Christ's seven messages to the church of Asia Minor is addressed to the church at Pergamos. The Christians in Pergamos were eager to listen to the overtures of the world. They had been faithful under the assaults of the world's violence, but they were yielding to the allures of the world's friendship. Jesus begins by telling this church that he knows where they live. So let me just see it on the map. Hopefully, do we have that? Yep. So Pergamos is the most northern uh, church that is written to here. And it was, uh, he admitted, and no, Jesus says, I know where you live. What do we know about Pergamos? Well, Pergamos was the first city to be uh, chosen to hold a temple in honor of a living emperor, Emperor Augustus. It was built in 29 uh, BC. That also housed the uh, temple of Asclepius, a Greek god of healing, whose symbol of a snake echoed the symbol of Satan. So when Jesus said, I know where you live, he is saying, I know in your city boundaries is a, a cult to a Greek God, and I know that you are being challenged and charged to worship the emperor in their festivals and in 
the year. But what do we learn about Jesus? When he sees this snapshot of the Christians, he, he sees that they're being faithful, but on the other hand, we are reminded who Jesus is. It begins at the beginning to say that thus the one with a sharp, double-edged sword. This is Jesus declaring himself what is prophesied in Isaiah that adds to his description, the judge, the, the sword being the symbol of judgment. That Jesus is fulfilling his eschatological messianic role of being the judge of all people. The Christians in Asia Minor and for us today are warned to say Jesus sees you and he knows everything. He sees when you're being faithful and he sees when you're being compromising. The question becomes whose judgment do you fear? This is what he was saying to John's audience. You could avoid the sword of Rome by doing things that fit in with them but you're in danger of meeting the sword of Jesus. We will all face situations where the world judges right, conflicts to what Jesus can, judges to be wrong. We cannot compromise to the world as it leads to danger. And we need to be reminded that we represent Christ. We represent Jesus. And as we go about this world, and as we know that as the Bible teaches, it will get harder and harder, we cannot remain a truthless Christian. We cannot be truthless churches. We cannot compromise to the ways of the world, but instead hold tight to the ways of God. In this letter we see and are reminded of three ways that we represent Jesus. One, to think of this way, that we as Christians do represent ourselves to our community. We represent Jesus to our community. Yet we have to avoid looking like our culture because we are citizens of another world. And that's what we're going to look at. So if you're taking notes today, number one, we represent Christ to our community by our steadfastness. We represent Christ to our community by our steadfastness. Verse 13 says, I know where you live. Jesus commands, commends, excuse me, commends the church at Pergamum for not denying him amid pressure from a hostile world. Jesus calls us all to hold fast despite a world that rejects him, hates him, his followers. Now, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, I've been here for several weeks, and you keep bringing that up, that we need to hold fast, be different from the world, that we are uh, to not abide in the world, that we are to hold fast to faithfulness to Jesus. Can we find a different message? Well, one, I would say that Jesus obviously saw this as a message to be repeated and that we need to keep talking about it until we all live it, that we are all being reminded that compromise is not something that Jesus wants. Uh, 
that we need to be prepared also for ourselves that it's going to get harder, but also to be encouraged as Christians now and for grandparents and for parents to be preparing our children and our grandchildren because the days ahead will be harder, not easier. That we need to raise up Christians who are not going to bend to the culture because their trappings will be harder. But Jesus says that when he looks upon the church at Pergamum, he says, yet you hold fast to my name and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you. So what do we learn? Well, they were in proximity, as he said, to Satan's throne. They were in proximity to a world that was forcing people to go to festivals that claimed what would be in our day the president, but in that day the emperor was a deity and that he should be worshipped as such. That the, the cult of a Cleopas was a cult that, uh, that was uh, satanic in its very nature and had all the rounds of sexual immorality. But Jesus commended them, which we should all pay attention to, because if we want to please Jesus, we should do the same thing, right? What did Jesus commend them for doing? Holding fast to his name. Despite pressure, despite what is being said about them, despite what is being threatened to them, despite what, is, what they are saying uh, is right in the culture, they were... Uh, they were being faithful, not denying Jesus. They were continuing to meet together. They were continuing to do the work of the Lord. And we can see that Jesus' own glory matters to him. Because what did they hold fast to? Jesus' name. They did not deny Jesus as Lord. They would not walk away from him. They would continue to claim him. And this is something that Jesus pointed out again and again in chapter 2, verse 3. You are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. In verse 13, you hold fast to my name. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Chapter 3, verse 12, I will write on him the name of my God and my own new name. Jesus is jealous for his name. That we as his Christians do not wander to claim other things as important as in Savior, but that we hold to Jesus Christ, the only one, the only name that can save, the only one who is of the triune God, the only one who lived a perfect life, died on the cross and raised again three days later. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we cannot deny Jesus. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it becomes, we must be reminded that we hold fast to the name of Jesus. And the church at Pergamum held fast to the name of Jesus. Even when it said the faithful witness Antipas was killed. Apparently, maybe Antipas was being forced to do one of the participate in a festival, or maybe Antipas was 
being forced to bake a cake for one of their rituals. Or maybe Antipas was being forced to do something, and yet he chose death over denying Jesus. To deny the faith in the face of death would be to declare that a believer's life here and now is better than Jesus. Better than having the life that he promises. One which we know death has been defeated. The Christians at Pergamum declare that Jesus is better than life. Brothers and sisters, that should be our declaration. That should encourage us to hold fast to Jesus. They weren't participating in the festivals to honor the emperor as God. They were doing the opposite. They were adopting babies that were set aside for infanticide. They were, they were meeting with other believers to follow the apostles' teaching. They were not participating in cultic worship. They were determined that Jesus was the triune God who died and rose again, and they would not do anything to deny him or his name. Jesus cares about his reputation. So what does your life indicate about Jesus? You know, I went one year, our rival in, I'm a University of Virginia fan, and, and our rival is Virginia Tech. And one year, I decided to go with my cousins to a Virginia Tech game. And I had to decide, was I going to fit in and wear the the ugly maroon and orange uh, to fit in with the crowd or was I going to wear the blue and orange? And I, I said, look, I'm just going to wear what I would normally wear to the game, but I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to I'm not going to be rude. I'm only going to clap my hands if they do something good. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to draw attention to myself. I'm going to do everything I can. That didn't work. The first quarter I had something thrown at me. When the other team cheered, uh, that lady behind me would put her little pom-pom in my face. I had things thrown at me throughout the game and insults hurled at me, and I just sat there and took it and thought to myself, boy, this would have looked better in HD, I think. But I remember at the end of the game, I, somebody came up to me and said, boy, you were a pretty good sport in all this and why did you do this and why did how did you do this and I said well I know that I've got blue and orange on but I'm really on Jesus side and I'm I know that there's something better than this and I was able to use that opportunity to say why I was different if I would have acted like the world if I would have you know, thrown my coke at somebody if I would have you know been you know, lost my witness and how I would have have responded it would have been totally ruined an opportunity at a spiritual conversation brothers and sisters we need to be reminded as a Christian we're going to stand out and it's okay to be weird can I tell you that in the name of Jesus it's okay to be different it's stop, we need to stop thinking that holiness is radical. It's radical to this world, but it's not radical to Jesus. We need to be reminded that we live for him, that we bring glory to his name. We need to 
follow Jesus. So if you think that you're doing something weird or the world says you're doing something weird, that's okay because you'd rather please Jesus than the world. If your friends or someone thinks that it's weird that you stop watching shows that have nudity in it and you say, they say, well, you're really missing it, say, well, no, I'm not. I've got Jesus. Christian parents, when you are saying no to your kids and there's this pressure that you feel from other parents that, well, boy, you're, they sure are missing out. No, they're not because you're trying to point them to Jesus. Friends, when you are put in a compromising uh, position and you choose to be different, praise God because it's okay to be different for Jesus because we are different. We've got the name above every name and we're called to be Christ followers. So when you are being countercultural, you are doing it not to be a rebel, because if you are actually doing that, you would be counted a rebel of Jesus. We have a king, and we would rather get a well done from him than the community around us. So let me just say as a word from Jesus. For those of you who are being faithful and holding to his name, thank you. Well done. To those of you who are living out Jesus in your workplace, that you're going around and, and praying for people and asking them how you can serve them, that you're not hiding Jesus, but you're living for him, thank you. For you parents who are who are watching and faithfully pointing your kids, caring more how to please Jesus than parenting towards their popularity. Thank you. Thank you, students, who would rather be alone on Friday night than be counted among the popular of the world. Students, thank you for loving Jesus more than being popular in a wrong way. Thank you to all who understand that you represent Jesus to our world and are willing to honor him with your life. Jesus says, through his word, to you, well done. Well done. And may I add, keep being weird for Jesus. Number two, we reject Christ when we compromise to our culture. We reject Christ when we compromise to our culture. Jesus commended the church, but he came with a clear rebuke to repent because they were compromising in some way to the culture. In verse 14 through 16, it says, But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam and taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. In the same way, you have also had those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So repent, otherwise I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Jesus gives a stark warning that some of the believers were teaching and living in a way that was leading to idolatry and immorality. Jesus is warning Christians and the church 
of compromise with morality that will end up in judgment. In doing so, how did, what did he point out? Well, one, he said, he mentioned Balaam and Balak. For those who maybe have not read their Old Testament, or maybe just to recall this from your memory bank, Balaam was a prophet in the Old Testament that Balak, who was the king of Moab, wanted Balaam to prophesy and bring judgment against Israel. But God said, no, you can't do that. And so Balaam goes back to Balak and said, well, here's another way to do it. Why don't you send your young women to go and marry and entice the men of Israel because then they will turn to your gods and they will uh, worship them. In this way, we see that there was a lull of the culture. Whatever was happening there in Pergamum was probably tied to the, the Roman emperor worship but we know to the sexual immorality and the teaching of idolatry and worshiping other gods. And it also seems that they had allowed some of the Nicolaitans who were teaching or commend, that we saw a couple weeks ago that the church of Ephesus, they were rejecting those gods. Remember? They said, good job. Jesus said, Good job for not letting those guys in. But here, the church at Pergamum was allowing them to teach a life group. Or allowing them to, 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 to pass their literature around. Or, or were, uh, were, were encouraging people to follow their teachings. Whatever that was, it must have been, because it says in the like way, was leading to sexual immorality or this whole idea that you could be sacred on Sunday and secular the rest of your life. That you could proclaim Jesus' name and even believe he is the Son of God, but the rest of your life you live for your own passions, your own desires, your own pleasures. Whatever that was was a teaching that the physical actions do not match or don't have to correlate to your profession in Jesus. So the teaching of Nicolaitans probably saw a disconnect from the gospel and our actions. And the teaching of the Nicolaitans are alive and well today. There are more and more Christians that see their spiritual life separate from their physical life. There are more and more Christians who believe that living together is okay. There are more and more Christians who have no issue in participating in other religions, even Eastern mysticism, and not holding to Jesus, the God of the Bible. There are more and more Christians who believe using recreation drugs are okay. And I hear this all the time. Being a Christian is not about living my life a certain way. It's about loving Jesus. Now, there might be a kernel, a small ounce of truth in that statement. But that statement is false. Jesus died making us a new creation that if we are to love him, we are to love his ways. 1 John 5, 3, for what is love of God is? To keep his commandments and his commands are not a burden. James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Friends, this is, this is basic Bible Christian understanding that our lives follow our King. And we cannot claim him as Lord and live differently. 
we need this as a church to be warned, be aware of false teachings and not to follow them. If you catch someone or are listening to someone, a podcast or, or maybe something that might filter through what you pay attention to, if you find someone minimizing sin or avoiding too much talking about who God is, or what the Bible says, or enjoy the good life in this world now, then you are probably listening to a false teacher that is dangerous for you. You might even say, oh, well, they're just a little off the truth. Well, friends, where there is false teaching, idolatry and immorality are close behind. And idolatry not only is bowing down to statues, but it is saying that this thing is more important to me than God. This is what the draw to our, our desires and our actions become. Friends, sexual sins are idolatrous because that person is saying that I, whatever I can pleasure myself with, escape with, those feelings become more important than God himself. And most sins at the heart is a form of idolatry. It's making me God, allowing me to decide what's right and good for my life. If scripture is against some, some will teach that, uh, some, excuse me, will teach that scripture is insufficient to the modern world. Further, putting ourselves over God. But friends, we must be reminded, we cannot compromise. A, a boat is designed to be in the water. But if the water starts to get in the boat, it will sink. Friends, we as Christians are designed to live in the world, but the world is not supposed to be in us. We know we are filled with Christ. We need to be careful because our testimonies represent Christ, and we will have less influence in the world than, than we think we will. The siren call of the world is look more like us and we will treat you better. That never happens. Not in the history of the world. And the whole the book of Revelation warns us about this. That we should not, we should not tie ourselves to government, should not tie ourselves to other people. Because in the end, we will find the same judgment. The reminder to us is to be faithful to Jesus. If you want any proof, look at all the major denominations that has compromised our marriage. And they are not gaining people, they are hemorrhaging faster because they're no different from the world and they don't bring any hope to bring people from their sins. Friends, only people who put, hold up Jesus and his gospel and his world, word are truly the hope of the world. To look more like the world is sending people to their death. Charles Spurgeon says, let none of, none of us imagine that an orthodox creed can be any use to us if we lead a heterodox life. As individuals, we can't claim Jesus and live against him. As individuals, we must be on guard of compromise in our own life. D.A. Carson wrote saying that the people do not drift towards holiness apart from the grace-driven given, effort People do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, and the audience, and obedience to Scripture, faith, and the delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise 
and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of the lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. And we slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Friends, ask yourselves, is there anything in my life today that I am tolerating that I would not have tolerated four years ago? Is there anything in your life that you would have looked back years ago as you were being faithful to the Lord that all of a sudden now you've compromised on? Jesus would say to you, repent. Turn around. Do you allow things in your home that you would have never allowed a few years ago? Friends, evil has a way of creeping up on us and we cannot compromise. Third and finally, if we are faithful, we will be rewarded by Christ, by citizenship in heaven. What sweet good news, verse 17. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, the one who comp conquers. I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name inscribed to no one knows except for the one who receives it. What good news. What good news to us, what good news to the church at Pergamum who were being persecuted, encouraged. They were, they were being tempted in all sorts of manner. To, to, they were holding to Jesus, but their lives were falling far away from him. And what was this encouragement to the Christians who were being faithful? He said, look, you were looking you are looking for acceptance in this world. You're looking to be welcomed here. But I've got something better for you. In my name, you'll be accepted into heaven. In my name, you are welcomed as a citizen of heaven. You are looking to the wrong place, but in me, I will give you a citizenry that will never die. Philippians 3, 20 through 21, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So brothers and sisters, we can fully, by the power of Jesus, the one who conquers, gives us the power to conquer this world and the claims of this world that we might know if we endure to the end that we are citizens of heaven because he made it so. That as citizens of heaven, we've gained the wonderful benefits of being a Christ follower. What were those? Well, he just described them, and I'll just describe them quickly. What were they? they he will give them manna from heaven. What is this, the manna from heaven in the Old Testament that he provided the people in the wilderness? So maybe to go against uh, the, the Balaam and Balak to say, you were looking for satisfaction in the wrong place. 
You are looking to be satisfied in the world, but I'll tell you, if you come to me, I will give you the thing that satisfies most, the very word of life, come to me. It's also this metaphorical portrayal of the end-time fellowship, of identifying with Jesus as instead of rejecting the pagan feasts, you are welcome to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That we are welcomed as Christ's people. That we are given a white stone. This stone was used in the ancient time as tokens of admission. And he's saying here that he is giving this as an admission to Christ's kingdom. This, this was also a symbol uh, in, in the judicial system that, that if they were voting that you were innocent, they put a white stone. If you were guilty, you were put a black stone. Here, Jesus himself is saying, I'm giving you a white stone that I have earned by my death and resurrection, that you are forgiven everything that you've ever done, that you are acquitted on the day of judgment. You will not face me as judge. You will, well, you will come to me and my Father's house, and we will be children of God forever. And a new name. A new name is a picture of being owned, branded by God. Maybe it's the picture of what we'll talk later in Revelation chapter 22. Uh, verse 3 and 4 there will no longer be any curse the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads friends this is an intimate relationship with Jesus that the Bible says he knows his sheep and he calls them by name that we are welcome into heaven by Jesus. Every believer that have trusted in Christ, have been born again, will receive the glory and intimate fellowship with the triune God. This indicates knowing for us that when we reject the world, we know we can do so because we have a greater world ahead of us. You know, when I travel to other countries, there's always a tinge of, of trepidation, concern, worry when I'm walking up to the agents of the gate. Because most of the time when I travel, it's because it's for mission work. And so I'm like, I'm at the mercy of, some of these countries, I know that I've, uh, I've been to a country that's really not very Christian, and so I'm like, if, if they find out that I'm on a mission trip and something's going to happen, that I'm going to be sitting here not knowing what to do, I'm, I, I'm not going to make it in, or even going to London. It could be this agent has a bad day, and it, it, I, I don't, there's just this, always this tinge of like, maybe I'm just not going to get in. But you know, when I'm coming home, and I can show my passport as an American citizen, I really don't think twice about it. Because I know that I'm going home. Now, unless that I've brought something illegal, and there's a, there's a whole lot of other what-ifs, but I don't worry about that because I know I'm not doing those things. But I know that I'm welcome. Well, isn't it good to know that by the grace of Jesus Christ, by his work I know I have a home to go to 
and there not be worry at the gate or the entry because I have Jesus. That's why it's so important for us, brothers and sisters, not to compromise. Compromise that would put us at war with Jesus himself. He says, I will come with the sword against you instead of being welcomed as one as Jesus' sheep. Compromise can lead us astray. Our compromise, heaven forbid, could lead someone else astray. Brothers and sisters, may we be faithful like the church at Pergamum to hold fast to Jesus. But may we all today say we will not compromise, that we will hold to his way for the sake of him who gives us an eternal home. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this warning and reminder today to, to not compromise your way, that we can stand for the, your ways and, and one, be welcomed by you, to know that we can be faithful to the end, to know that we are people of you, helps us to carry on. And Lord, help us to not compromise. Help us not to give up, but help us to hold fast. And Lord, we know that by your grace, as we endure, we will be welcomed home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's encourage one another with these words. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all, we will trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of
grab a seat and watch this video together. at the network is an association of about 105 local churches within Central Kentucky and we partner with these churches to help uh, reach their communities uh, in several different ways. We do things with uh, international congregations, with church planting and church revitalization and community involvement. We help sponsor those churches through the Eliza Broadus offering to pay for ministry needs to be able to reach their local communities. We started, you know, 20 or 25 people and now it's over 70. First of all, I just want to uh, say thank you for all the support because, you know, sometimes when you help people, you don't, you don't know what you do for them. But for us, having a place to worship is just amazing because there is no way you can call people to come if you don't have a place to worship. I just don't know how many people support the Irish ministry, but the support is just so amazing, and thank you for that. We have the chance and opportunity to, to speak to 3,000 Indian who doesn't know Christ yet. That's an exciting thing. So far, according to my information and knowledge that I got, is there's no one doing that ministry yet to reach out to them. So far in Kentucky, no one is successful in planting Indian church yet. The Indian don't come here as a refugees, they come here as educated. When I say educated, means mainly in, in three, three professions like medicines, engineering and IT, they are not hungry, they have their own needs, and they're educated, so there's a lot of intellectual uh, need, uh, discussion need to be there. I, I'm really thankful uh, for the Elijah Boras because without them, I won't be here. So I, I thank them for whoever donate. And since we are very new here, we still need a lot of financial support. Without the Elijah Boras offering, the, the capability for us to be able to impact um, as, as local congregations in the community is greatly diminished, that offering uh, provides an enormous amount of support for us, not just an annual basis, but happens through Feed the Hungry, which happens week in and week out. Every event that we have here, we make it a point to have people that are making gospel connections with these families. Another part of that Eliza Broadus money goes towards buying the Bibles and the gospel tracts that we're giving out. And with the Feed the Hungry ministry, we go and deliver the food door to door. So we have a more personal interaction where people are comfortable to share questions and ask prayer requests and for us to have deeper gospel conversation with them. We're grateful for all the support that we find from the churches around the state that contribute to this and then allow us to work within our own local community. This time of year, we encourage you to give a gift to the Eliza Broadus State Missions Offering that supports missions here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. You got a snapshot of that, and so we hope that you would be faithful and be led by the Lord uh, to give towards that offering. You can do so by scanning the QR code that's in front of you. You can choose that in the drop-down menu if you want to give specifically to that. Also be some offering envelopes that if you want to put into that, or just mark it that you want to give to Eliza Broadus missions offering. I think uh, we're excited uh, because we know that supporting the state missions offering is even supporting our own. We've got uh, the Mandy family who's planning a, a starting a French-speaking church. 
uh, and we're working in cooperation with KBC with them and so we're excited about how our partnership is going so being faithful in this way is being faithful in the many different ministries that are happening here in the Commonwealth so we want to make sure that you're aware of that and please give towards the Eliza Broadus mission offering also to you guests glad that you're here we're glad that you've come to worship with us we hope you take your next steps one way you can do that make sure you have that connect card filled out either by doing the qr code or if you rather do it paper again go to the next steps desk through the double doors to the immediate left make sure you go there especially today uh, if this is your first time here we have a gift waiting for you you can also go there if your next step is to do a uh, if you want to have information about a life group or joining a d group or any other questions please go there right after our service and they will be glad to help you out also we have just started this morning a new members class starting point new members class if you would like to catch on we can we can maybe make a provision if you come the next two weeks uh, come see uh, go to the next steps desk I'll get the information that you need to do to catch up we'll find a way to catch up the information that you uh, needed to get today but uh, if you want to join us next week uh, to get into this round is the, the the last time so we hope that you will join us next Sunday but make sure you go to the next steps desk so that we have that ready for you uh, number three I've got it all over next step for us is gospel to every home begins next Sunday four to six our fall season of that and that means that we go door to door uh, we invite to pray for people share the gospel with people uh, it's from four to six on Sundays and uh, on the church calendar it tells you which Sundays we won't be doing it but it starts next Sunday next Sunday is one of our all-in Sundays which means we need people who maybe if you don't feel comfortable going door to door you can come and serve on a child care team or if you want to uh, come and serve on a prayer team and pray for the teams while they're out uh, or go we hope that you would come if this is your first time ever doing it we hope you would come uh, and and go we will pair you up with a veteran and uh, you'll see the blessing that it is that we're going door to door in every uh, home in our zip code so we hope that you will come and join us next Sunday four to six go back to number four number four tonight join us for our church picnic i'm not going to go through the schedule but inside the bulletin you'll see the schedule of events we hope to see you at four o'clock we'll have some relays for kids and youth at 4 15 uh, the food is about five so just go through that and check that out we hope to see you tonight uh, if you want to check in with Heather Haddo about what you're bringing, you've, a lot of you have already signed up. Uh, but also we're going to have some men set up tables at the end. Our deacons are heading that up. So if you want to help uh, do that, we would greatly appreciate that right after service. Uh, Steve and some others are walking around to hand out deacon nomination forms. We have told you over the last couple of weeks to be praying. Uh, so if you are a member, please raise your hand and we will make sure to... Uh, if you're a member, only give it to members, uh, raise your hand. Uh, if they can nominate someone uh, to serve as a deacon, they're coming around and we'll give that to you. We would like for you, because we've given you advance notice to start praying about names, uh, the, that you would do that today before you leave and hand it in. Uh, if you aren't prepared to give a nomination, next Sunday we need you to bring it in or we'll have a form you can do that next Sunday but we'd encourage you to go ahead and do that today if you look at the list um, you're nominating from some who are already ordained and can come back on or mostly you might want to look around the room 
and nominate somebody who isn't a deacon. That's, that's probably the more opportunity that you have today. So those are really your two options. There's a list of three that you can nominate, and then there's those outside that you might think could be a deacon or serve as a deacon. Please fill that out today, and we will uh, nominate them, and the deacons will bring back a slate to you at a later date. Okay? Are we done with that? Everybody's got one that was a member? Okay. All right. Well, today is a special day because of several reasons. It is Grandparents' Day, uh, but today is also um, Mark Whitaker's sixth anniversary here at Hebron Baptist Church. Mark, come here. I am thankful for this brother. We are thankful for this brother in many different ways. Wendy, come on up and stand with Mark. Uh, Mark and Wendy came to us six years ago. Uh, we are grateful because if Mark was not here during COVID, we would have all been, um, I would have been mailing my sermon out to you all uh, because of technology, we would have not done anything, but thanks be to the Lord for Mark for all of that. So he's had that during his ministry here. He's got us going and partners all around the world. Uh, we are blessed by Mark and Wendy. And so I think we've got something for Wendy, right? Hello? The dump dump? Okay. We've got something for Wendy and Mark. This is from the church. And we have a whole basket of goodies out there waiting for you all uh, after the service. We didn't want to give it to you now. But guys, we are called to give honor where honors due. Let's give honor to the Whitakers for their sixth year here at Hebrew Baptist Church. Thank you both. Also, you may know that we as a personnel committee uh, went through major changes in the last year. We won't go into that whole story, but that was a different time and a different day. Uh, but we are trying to rectify some things today. So we're going to honor uh, Christy and Scott Reed. Would you please come up here? Come on up. Now, would you bring Scott's flowers to the front, please? <laughs> We failed to honor their, her first anniversary last year, so today we're celebrating her second anniversary. Yay! There you go. Thank you. Both of them, Christy works tirelessly for our children. We're so thankful. B BBS would be nothing without her. Our Sundays would be nothing without her. So we are very grateful for Christy. Amen? Amen. And she would say the best way to honor her anniversary is we need two volunteers in children's elementary and two volunteers in the nursery. You can honor her by signing up today. Thank you, guys. So Christy's anniversary was August 5th, but August 8th was Curtis's year anniversary. Curtis and Bailey, come on up. Where's Bailey? She was right here. Oh. Would you please bring Curtis's flowers up? Uh, oh, no, sorry. We are so thankful for Curtis and Bailey and for what they mean to our church. 
And if you are as excited as I am and thankful for them, would you honor them right now? Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Love you guys. So, day of anniversaries, the, the personnel team has got their act together, and uh, we are thankful for you all. I think that's all my announcements. Let me just go through my list here. Okay. Well, we're... Um, and somebody else's anniversary. It's your anniversary. It's your anniversary. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. We do have the opportunity to worship in a different way. We have sung together. We have prayed together. Now we worship as we give. So if you would, uh, as we come together to worship, uh, maybe even giving an offering for our missions or supporting the way that we can support uh, some of these activities as we support these anniversaries to our staff uh, and the ways that the Lord blessed us here to, to do our uh, our picnic even later today. These are ways that all your faithfulness do to support the ministry and work here in the community, here at Hebrew Baptist Church and around the world. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning and the opportunity to give as you have called us to give. Uh, we know that through it, you're using us through the cooperative program to bless church plants and ministries throughout the Commonwealth for our uh, uh, for our church picnic even today, for the activities of the back-to-school night. There's many ways that your, the faithfulness of the many are used to present and use the gospel uh, both here and abroad. So, Lord, this is an act of worship to you, not to make us feel better, uh, not to, to hold up some legalistic standard, but instead, because of you have given much, we want to give to you. So, Lord, uh, we give this freely and cheerfully today. Uh, in honor of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Your gospel tale. 